Big night of basketball ahead for the Kentucky Wildcats, who are taking on arguably the best team in the country. What do we need to know about the Kansas Jayhawks before they take on Big Blue Nation? You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be previewing Kentucky basketball's matchup with the Kansas Jayhawks. Going to be a massive showdown. Also, the Wildcats have picked up a commitment from a five-star center in Jaden Quaintance. I'm going to talk about that as well on today's episode. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So let's go ahead and get into it. Kentucky basketball on the road in Chicago, taking on what I think right now is the best team in all of college basketball. The way we're going to do this today, we're going to talk about the Jayhawks. What do we know about KU and some of their individual stars? We're going to talk about the matchups. How do the Wildcats, as shorthanded as they are, take on Kansas in this one? And then we're going to talk about Jaden Quaintance uh, later on in the show. So let's start here with the Jayhawks. What do we know about Kansas? Well, the first thing I want to point out is let's go over to Ken Palm. That's how we did things last year. It's how we did things the year before. I'm not going to lean as heavy into the numbers here uh, on the show. I'm just going to kind of tell you what's good, what's not, and what we need to expect. The first thing that you need to know is through two games against really bad opponents, Kansas has dominated. They've looked really good on both ends of the floor, scoring 99 points in both of those contests holding both of those teams under 65 points in Manhattan and North Carolina Central. Uh, Random, random side note, North Carolina Central has a player on their team, I believe, named Poboy King, just a phenomenal name, nothing else to note there. But as far as efficiency goes, when you look at Kim Palm, which does dive into adjusted efficiency on both offense and defense, their tempo, possession link, things like that, Kansas does move fast on the offensive end of the floor. Their adjusted tempo is top 60 nationally. They're very efficient there as well. They have shot the three ball and inside the arc very, 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 very well so far through these two games. And their defense has been really solid as well. They haven't created a ton of steals, which I think is going to be very important when we talk about matchups here in just uh, a little bit. But that's what you need to understand about Kansas. They have statistically been dominant, and when you go and actually watch their games, they've been very dominant, aggressive, pushing towards the rim. On, I believe, a preview episode a season ago, we dove into the Kansas Jayhawks offense with Bill Self, how he likes to run things, how they like to do things from an X's and O's standpoint. It's really fascinating how everything can kind of run through the post at times, especially if you have a dominant big man. And that's what Kansas has this season in Hunter Dickinson. Transfer from Michigan, you and I have talked about him a lot on the show earlier this season. He almost came to Kentucky, took a visit, and then decided to go for the Jayhawks over the Wildcats He is someone that is a known commodity. In fact, Kentucky played against him last year when the Wildcats faced off against the Wolverines, I believe, in London. So Kentucky has seen Hunter Dickinson before. We know who he is. We've talked about his strengths and his weaknesses. But for those of you that were not listening at that time, 
Let me go ahead and tell you. The kid can shoot the three at seven foot one, but he is also very dominant around the rim. He can also distribute the basketball a little bit as well. So far this season, he is shooting 65% from the floor, 100% from three. He has yet to miss. I believe he's taken four three-point attempts. He's also shooting 83% from the foul line. One and a half blocks, one steal, three and a half assists, eight rebounds, 19.5 points in just 22 minutes a game. I believe that is tied for third best on the team right now for Kansas, and he is averaging almost 20 points a game. He has been an insanely efficient player so far for the Jayhawks. He's looked really, really good and very dominant, and he's not the only taller guard or, excuse me, taller player that Kansas has on this roster that they really like to use. Kevin McCuller at six foot seven, 212 pounds. He's also been solid for Kansas so far this season as well. He's somebody else that we're going to talk about when we discuss matchups. 18 and a half points. He shot, he's currently shooting over 60% from the floor as well. 41.7% from three. I mean, we can talk here about the individual numbers, but for the fact that this team is currently shooting over 60% as a team and 46 and a half percent from beyond the arc through two games, regardless of the opponent, is still very, very impressive. This is a team that likes to push things towards the rim, get aggressive, get the ball in Hunter Dickinson's hands, and then distribute off of that. They've got several players who are averaging uh, more than just a couple of, uh, of assists per game. They've averaged 29 and a half <laughs> through these two first two games. I, I, I think it does need to be pointed out the fact that they've played two really bad opponents, but holy cow, Kansas. I mean, you have come out swinging against some of these teams. Very impressive with some of their individual pieces, most notably Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCuller Jr. And then as a whole, they've just been very dominant. They've had some younger players step up as well. Uh, Johnny Furphy, who, who I believe is an Aussie, he's averaging 10 and a half in 18 minutes. He's shooting well as well. Uh, El Marco Jackson, a freshman guard, eight and a half points. He's averaging seven and a half assists per contest. He's not the best three-point shooter so far, um, but he's still shooting above 50% from the floor as a whole. They've got really good players. Nicholas Timberlake, I believe, is a senior. And then Dejuan Harris uh, Jr., who has also been here for quite some time. He's averaging 24 minutes a game. And a season ago, uh, he was solid for them, averaged almost nine a contest, 6.2 assists a year ago. Uh, he's not been off to the hottest shooting start, which you would like to imagine if his shooting numbers were at least average because uh, he shot 40% from three last year. What would this team's statistics look like if his numbers were boosted? Um, but he is only averaging one point a game uh, through two games, the junior out of Columbia, Missouri. He's, uh, he's uh, not a senior, he's a ju junior, but very experienced player heading into his fourth year uh, in college. So they've got a very, very nice blend of depth, experience, youth, talent overall. Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCuller at six foot seven at that kind of guard wing spot. Those are the two players that I'm going to be paying attention to the most in this one. Not necessarily from a, from a matchup standpoint, but if you want to know who's going to pop off, it's probably going to be one of those two players. I want to kind of dive into the matchups here. How does Kentucky face off against some of these better players, These this very, very tall roster? Because a season ago, Kentucky did not have the wings or the power forward to really compete with Kansas. How do they do it this year with a team that is very tall and aggressive and likes to attack the rim? We're going to talk about it in just a second. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Jace Medical. There is a lot of uncertainty going on in the world right now, and it's really, really solid. If you can be prepared, it's very important to be prepared for anything. The Jace case can provide you 
that preparation. It is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can customize your case to add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. And all it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board certified physicians. You can get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment related questions. It is doctor created, doctor recommended. You do not want to be caught unprepared. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Go to jacemedical.com and enter code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That is promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. Do not get caught unprepared. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate you making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel already, please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcast, I would really appreciate it if you did that as well. So we got through the Jayhawks. Very dominant through their first two games against no-name teams. They've got a nice blend of youth and experience very talented, very tall, very aggressive on the offensive end, very solid on the defensive end as well. If you go and look at Ken Palm, uh, which some of you may not have access to, they're actually the fourth best defense in the nation and the eighth best offense in the country. Uh, really, really uncommon to see a team inside the top 10 in both uh, in both areas there. So what do we think about the matchup for the Kentucky Wildcats in this one? We know what Kansas is. We know what Kentucky is. How do the, the, the Wildcats try and take down the, uh, the Jayhawks. Well, I think the biggest thing, and we discussed this just a second ago, is Kentucky's youth in this one. And we, did, we talked about this on yesterday's show as well. Uh, let's reiterate it here real quick. Kentucky is a very inexperienced team. They are a very talented team. They're a very competent team. Um, but they're also a very shorthanded team. So Kentucky's going to be ha- fighting an uphill battle here throughout this contest. I expect if they don't and they end up blowing this team out somehow, um, then... We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'll be very impressed there uh, if if uh, if if Kentucky's able to to uh, to pull that off. But Kentucky, they have for all of their issues, uh, from a personnel standpoint, they have taken care of the basketball. They've done a very good job at making sure that they don't create a lot of turnovers. And through their two games, Kansas has not forced a lot of turnovers. Last year, they were they were top 25 in the nation in steal percentage. This year, so far through two games, not creating a lot of steals. They are working teams late into the shot clock. They are forcing teams, to t- those two teams in UNC or NC Central and Manhattan, to find their shot. Obviously, it's a much better team. They're going to be able to do that with their length. Uh, but they, they their shooting percentages on defense have also been incredibly low, um, which is not promising. This is a team that can play uber-aggressive on one end of the floor and use, utilize their length and, and, and physicality to kind of dominate you on another. It's, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for Kentucky, but I think that the biggest thing the Wildcats have going for them is that they are not really turnover-prone so far, and Kansas has not done a great job of forcing those turnovers. I think when you look at Kentucky's backcourt, that's where you start with this matchup if you're trying to look at this from a positive perspective. From from a personnel standpoint, you've got four guards that individually you feel good about different things that they do. Uh, DJ Wagner, stability. I think he's a very st- stable, confident player as well. Antonio Reeves, very aggressive shooter. Really good at shooting the outside shot. 
Um, not the most consistent player in the world, but when he's on, he's very, very much so on and very difficult to stop. Uh, Rob Dillingham, uh, great with the basketball in his hands, explosive, um, very fun shot creator, very entertaining to watch. And then you've got Reed Shepard, who can do just a little bit of everything. He can shoot the basketball, he can distribute, he's got great court vision, he's really good on defense as well. All of these guys play very hard. I've been very impressed with that through two games. All of them play very, very aggressive as well as Kansas. So I think that you have to appreciate the fact that Kentucky on their own has a lot of really strong backcourt players. And you look at Kansas, and I think they are more of a frontcourt-centric team, although they do have very talented guards that I think could be better scorers and more statistical, uh, more uh, statistically uh, impressive, I guess I should say. But they do tend to let some of their taller guys, K.J. Adams, Kevin McCullough, Hunter Dickinson, kind of carry the load for them. And then when you look at whenever they get into their bench, you're looking at guys like, I think, Dylan White, Parker, Parker Braun, uh, Johnny Furphy, like I mentioned earlier, 6'9", 6'10", 6'9", uh, Jamari McDowell, who is 6'4", as a freshman. I mean, they've got, they've got a lot of length on this team. I believe they're top 10 in average height in the country. They, I think, will lean on their length and their athleticism on defense against this Kentucky backcourt. And I will be fascinated to see if Kentucky can overcome that. Can they shoot out of it? Can they get past them? And can they play well at the rim? As of right now, here's another number for you. Kansas is 12th nationally in the country when it comes to two-point defense. Opponents are shooting 38.2% from inside the arc against Kansas. What do we need to see out of these guards we need to see aggressiveness. We need to see them continue to push the pace and try and play their style of basketball. But we also don't need to see consistent poor shot selection. It will be a shame if Kentucky ends up in the first half taking way too many mid-range jumpers because they can't get into the lane like they want to, and they come out in the second half and they start to make adjustments, and we realize, hey, if they had played like this in the first half, maybe this would be a more competitive game or maybe they'd be winning outright. I want to see Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, Antonio Reeves, not take those stupid half-balance floaters and chuck shots up. I want to see more efficient shot selection. I think you're going to see Kentucky with a better game plan in this one. And, and they've been pretty good about this, by the way, adjusting throughout these exhibition games and in these first two games of, of, of the season. But you have to see solid guard play from Kentucky. If it's one individual going off, great. But as a conglomerate, as a whole, Kentucky's backcourt is the strength of this team, and they need to rely on that. Those four guys, they need to lean on that experience there from Antonio Reeves, and then they need to lean on the talent from their other three freshman guards. I think that's the first thing we need to talk about when we discuss the matchups. The second thing we need to talk about is Kansas's dominance at the rim on the offensive end of the floor. They're shooting 73% from inside the arc, and a lot of that has to do with, again, Hunter Dickinson. K.J. Adams, Kevin McCuller, being aggressive, getting to the rim. Kansas runs some of the most beautiful sets in the entire country. If you front the post, you are dead. You are going to have serious problems. How does Trey Mitchell handle things in this one? We've talked about it for what feels like over two months with Trey Mitchell, accepting the fact that he is going to be the guy that plays there down low for the majority of the time against Kansas. Aaron Bradshaw, you go. Zvonimir Ivasic, not available in this game. How does Trey Mitchell attack things defensively? Is he able to hold his own against these multiple, uh, these uh, several players? A Duthiero is also something uh, I think we really need to pay attention to in this one. 
although coming off of concussion protocol and some scares there, he's going to have to step up because of the physicality that he brings to the table, because of the newfound, uh, I guess, position that he has found himself in. You're going to need to see him step up and make plays in this one defensively. uh, uh, Securing rebounds, boxing guys out, contesting things at the rim. Adu Thierro has to play well in this game defensively. And then another player that I think a lot of people don't have their eyes on, but you're going to have to, especially if Trey Mitchell gets into foul trouble, which I really hope is not the case. Jordan Burks has to be able to hold his own against guys like McCuller or or Adams or Dickinson whenever he has to rotate into the five, uh, to the five uh, in, in this game. I think Kentucky's going to give up points in this one, regardless. I don't think it's going to be like an, like in the 90s. It may be in the 80s. I don't know. They're going to have a hard time stopping this this trio of wings and then the uh, and then the center there in Dickinson. Kansas's offense is just built to run around the rim, and Kentucky doesn't have a lot of height. And then, like we said on yesterday's show, and some of you questioned this in the comments, and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be rude. I don't understand the pushback on me claiming that the team is shorthanded. You know, we had seven scholarship players available for the game against uh, Texas A&M Commerce, and we have eight technically. If that is, if a Duthiero is available to play, and if nobody gets hurt in this one, we have eight scholarship players available, as opposed to the Kansas Jayhawks. So let's let's look here. They have one, two, three, four, five, six different players. Uh, no, five players averaging uh, over twenty minutes a game. One, two, three, four extra averaging at least fourteen minutes a game. On top of that, um, I'm not quite sure how much Damari McDowell is going to get involved in this one. Uh, but they they have more signif- significantly more depth, I think, than Kentucky does. And they're also a more experienced team. They're also a much taller team. So, yes, shorthanded relative to their opponent tonight and then shorthanded as a whole. I don't think you ever want to go into a game saying you have seven and a half scholarship players available. Um, you may be comfortable saying I've got seven and a half, eight scholarship players that I'm going to play that I'm very confident in. And then I've got a couple of guys outside of that on the bench that may get a little bit of uh, of action here and there. But Kentucky is shorthanded. There's no arguing that. You don't have enough players, and if you had your three seven-footers, you would have a complete lineup. All of them would get to contribute one way or another for the Wildcats. Zvonimir Ivasic would probably not play a ton in this game, but you know what he would do? He would step in instead of Jordan Burks, I think, at times, to play that center role at seven foot three, seven foot four. You would have a little bit of height. You would have a little bit of aggression there at the rim. Uh, how does Kentucky handle that defensively? That's huge. Huge from Trey Mitchell, Jordan Burks, Aduthiero, Kentucky's guards, I think, are a strength in this game. Their ability to not turn the ball over on paper is a strength in this game. Let's monitor that. So final thoughts here as Kentucky plays this one. What did we say on yesterday's show? And we're going to reiterate it here. This game will be awesome for Kentucky if they win it because of the resume boost that it could add to your resume whenever you reach the NCAA tournament. This one could help you understand what you know about your team, what you don't know about your team, and whether you can figure out what they're really good at and what they're not good at. This is an opportunity to kind of start to piece some of that together. I know you got to understand some of that through your first few games, but now you're playing a legitimate opponent. You'll get to learn some things. You'll get to reassure some things you already know. But at the end of the day, this game is not that important when it comes to what you could do in the postseason. Now, sure, it will absolutely boost your C line, I think, if you can get this one, and a few others that are relative to Kansas's strength in the quad one range. But this game 
I think is not one to melt down over. I think that's what I said yesterday, and I'll say it again. It's not one to melt down over. It's not one to freak out about. It's okay if Kentucky loses, and it's okay if they win. If they win, we don't need to sit here and say, hey, we're going to go 40-0, Big Blue Nation national champs, but we, we can celebrate it. We can absolutely celebrate it. So big-time game tonight, big-time game when it comes to the name recognition, obviously the champions classic and such. It's going to be a good one, I think. Kentucky's going to be competitive. What do you think about this game? Let me know in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. It's difficult. It's a tough out. Let's see how Kentucky fares in this one. One way or another, it's going to be all right. Jaden Quaintance has committed to Kentucky five-star center top 10 player in next year's class. I want to dive into what Quaintance bigs or brings to the um to the team next next seat I'm looking at I'm looking at is just a, a very aggressive big man is what I wrote in my in my first first uh, notes here. Before I dive into that though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked on Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you one more time here. If you have not subscribed to the show already, please go ahead and do so. Would really appreciate it. If you're listening on podcast, I would also appreciate it. If you subscribed there as well, let me know what you think of the show. At Locked on UK on Twitter is where you can find me. Jaden Quaintance, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I'm going to continue to say that until somebody corrects me. That is not how you pronounce his name. Initially, this five-star center out of Raleigh, North Carolina, was expected to go to Missouri. But over the past couple of days, uh, Quaintance started to shift uh, towards the Wildcats. A couple of crystal balls came in, and uh, he, uh, he announced that he was going to be making a decision uh, through this early signing period. And here we go, Kentucky, next year's class. I had a little bit of concern, I think I voiced a month or so ago, about how this team would uh, would would play out uh, for the 2024 class. But here we go. You now have four commits in next year's class. It brings you up to the number two class in the nation. And this right here is your first five-star, the number eight player in the country, Number two center, number one player, obviously, in the state of North Carolina. Six foot nine, 230 pounds. What do we know about Jaden? The first thing you need to know is that he is a very aggressive dunker. This man dunks everything. That's what his scouting report says, what his highlight tape says. He's a very aggressive player around the rim. Good rebounder, great finisher. I think he's also a very solid defender as well. According to 24-7 Sports, Adam Finkelstein, director of scouting, he said that Quaintance is one of the most naturally talented prospects in the country. Massive wingspan, 7'3 wingspan, vertical athleticism, strong frame, good hands, soft touch, shooting potential, natural face-up skill, and signs of a passing 
instinct. Not quite sure what that means. He also runs the floor well and is a solid rebounder when he commits himself. And that's something I wanted to talk about here. Well, the first thing I noted, noticed about Quaintance is that it doesn't seem like the game in his high school environment doesn't seem like it's been very difficult for him. And I'm not saying that there's a lack of effort here. I'm just saying things just kind of come easy. He's not having to be aggressive a lot of times to get to the rim initially. Now, obviously, he's got some flashy finishes. He can throw down a bunch of dunks once he actually gets there. But I did not see a lot of, like, having to work for different things. He's just able to get up in the air, like like Finkelstein, uh, Finkelstein said. He's got a great vertical. He runs the floor well. He gets to his spots, and he finishes. Literally, he throws it down. Uh, also, something else that he pointed out here, the soft touch, when he's not dunking, He's got really soft touch around the rim. I was impressed with some of the moves that he made just finishing in different ways outside of just throwing the basketball through the hoop, the layups off the glass, the spinning it in, the touch on different post moves. I was impressed. He says shooting potential as well. I don't think this guy's going to be anybody you see outside the paint area or near the free throw line taking 15-foot, 18-foot jumpers at the most. Uh, I don't think you're going to be seeing that consistently. This is just, uh, this is like throwback bully ball dunk on everybody's head when you get the opportunity. Very physical player that I think will be a lot of fun to watch uh, in a center role. With a player like Reed Shepard next season, it's really fun to envision how these guys operate in the pick and roll because of how aggressive some of his finishes could be with handoffs from Shepard or from whatever other guard that Kentucky would like to see. I'd like for you to go ahead, even though we're only three games into the season here, just to envision this 2024 class that is starting to unfold. You have Boogie Fland, who is a top 35 prospect, a really interesting point guard that I think is going to pair with Reed Shepard pretty well. Somto Cyril, who is a top 70 prospect at 6'10", 240, very solid center in his own right, very aggressive player as well. Jaden Quaytons, 6'9", 230, top 10 prospect. So you've got two very uh, big-bodied physical centers down low, and then you got another point guard and Travis Perry at 6'2", 170. I hope that Shepard comes back and plays shooting guard for UK because Fland, Perry, Shepard, and then you got Somto, you got Quaintance. You're going to have to find some different uh, answers at the wing spot, I think. Uh, Duthiero will still be here as well. Uh, but this is shaping up to be an interesting team next season with your two guys. Uh, 6'9", 6'10". I mean, not everybody can be seven feet tall. That's okay. It's not the end of the world. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Uh, these guys should be really fun to watch, though. I'm very intrigued to see how the the pairing of Quaintance and Cyril, both two very physical, dominant, uh, uh, just aggressive players, uh, how they operate coming in uh, in and out of the game uh, for the Wildcats because they'll rotate. That won't. I don't think they'll be on the court at the same time. I think they'll rotate for the Wildcats. Uh, a lot of fun. I think UK could have with next year's team. So if you've got any thoughts on Jaden Quaintance, welcome to the team, man. You can leave that in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore and follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave those in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all for a recap episode of Kentucky versus Kansas. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.